What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Guys, I got my friend Jared Yellen in the house. Just wait till you hear what we're getting into. I'm so fired up, excited about this. Um, I just told a story of how this relates with the Noah and the Ark, which we'll get into a little bit here in a second. But uh, Jared is a parallel entrepreneur who focuses on launching companies at even the playing field. From marketing solutions to educational platforms, simple sales training, and so much more, Jared has supported over 100,000 small business owners over the past 10 years. He brings a depth of knowledge on marketing and scaling business that is not only diverse, but is also extremely practical and proven. In fact, his no-nonsense style to growth allows people to of, of all levels to thrive when it comes to meeting and exceeding their goals. Now, I'm going to get into this other stuff here that's on this bio with you, Jared, as we talk and discuss, but um, he is obviously you know, the founder of Synduit, which we're, I, I'm, I'm see the labs. I mean, we're going to get into this. This is crazy stuff that you're into. And I I'm so happy to be connected with you and, and partnered with you, man. So welcome to the show, Jared. It's my, my honor, man. We, uh, you sent that, we'll call it a billion dollar Instagram message, right? Because that's, that's yeah. what this is going to turn into. And I'm not a hype person, though. We, we, Mike and I are building a company that it's going to change a lot of worlds. Uh, it's going to change a lot of worlds. We'll talk about it today for sure. But Mike, I'm all yours, my friend. Ask away. Yeah, so let's start off. So let's, because uh, I like to stay on track with the one question we start with, and then we'll get into all that other stuff. Because it is a great story and it's going to be, we're, we're still writing it. But Jared, what are you made of? Uh, I'm made of freedom. I'm made of freedom. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So when I, was, when I was 20 years old, I had this realization, which was eventually I'm going to be a dad. Um, most 20-year-old dudes don't think that way, right? Because uh, it was an eventually. It wasn't when I was 20. And the reason I was even thinking that way is uh, I was thought about my past. I was reflecting on the journey that I already went through for 20 years and I'm sure there was plenty of people that had more difficult lives than me, but my parents went through a very intense divorce when I was five, um, extremely intense. I always say that these are two great people that did everything wrong when you're going through a divorce. Uh, so if somebody were to ask me, what was one word to define your childhood? I would have said loud. Um, there was nowhere for me to go for peace. It was everything but freedom. So when I was 20 years old- Like, was, ar like arguing and fighting and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, moving yeah. and- tons of money and no money and, and restraining orders. And it was yeah. like everything two people could do wrong. They did. And they're, they're great people. Like they're just not great together. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a nightmare, like a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um, everything you want as a child, like just, it wasn't present. Like they individually loved me, but there was just, the home was loud. So when I was 20 and I was thinking about my future and eventually having kids, I made a declaration. And I said, my children will have a different life than I had. Um, and the word that showed up for me, which is why you asked me, what are you made of, um, was freedom. And I remember thinking to myself when that hit me, he said, like, it really hit me. It was like one of those moments where I'm like, whoa, like freedom. Like, what does that even mean? 
And I started defining freedom and it fell into all of these categories. It was career freedom. It was health freedom. It was spiritual freedom. It was financial freedom. It was geographical freedom. I mean, there was like a dozen different types of freedom. And what was so interesting is I started thinking about who I know that had that type of freedom and there was no one. So I'm like, all right, well, how does someone create that in their life? Because that's a non-negotiable for me. Like I will have that freedom by the time I'm a dad. The only path I could conceptualize was entrepreneurship. So fast forward to today, I'm 36. I have a beautiful four-year-old daughter named Taylee. I have a two-year-old little rock star son uh, named Riker. And I have that freedom every single level, just like I set out to do 16 years ago. Um, and it's because of entrepreneurship, but it's really because of where I started and my parents' divorce. And that became my driving force to create a better life for my kids than I had when I was growing up. So before we get into the details of your story too, beyond that um, growing up part, because I mean, I've been there too, man. I like grew up with fighting and arguing and cussing and threats. And man, I would sleep with a bat when I was probably eight to, eight to 11 years old, sleep with, sleeping with my bat because I was threatened. And felt that way. Nobody should ever, especially kids, man, you shouldn't feel that way. But uh, beyond that, though, you, there's a story that we'll get into in regards to the, the, how you got into uh, Sinduit and Cela Labs and all that. But um, before I do that, I wanted to ask you, when you became an entrepreneur and you made that decision, how long, how many years did it take you until you started making money, not just to pay your bills, but beyond that level of paying bills? You know what it is? I'm really effective at selling, um, like really, really good at selling. And I made money immediately because of that. So the first like real business that I launched, I was in college. I was definitely not a typical college student at all. Um, and I wanted to find a way not to go to class. And it wasn't because I was lazy. I just didn't learn in a class. So I started a personal training business. I was a, a natural bodybuilder in college. I never competed. It was just for me. I used to wear a sweatshirt and sweatpants to the gym every day. So no one had any idea what I looked like. Um, and I would incline bench 400 pounds just to give context. Like I was a beast and no one had any idea. They're like, oh my Wait, God. Hold on. How, what size are you? How, how tall and, and like, what did you uh, weigh then? I, I was like 215. 215 and, really, and how tall? How tall? Like 5'11". 5'11", okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was really strong. I was crazy. I was like a maniac. But it was just personal drive. Like I never competed. I never took my shirt off. It was, it was like literally just... For me, so I, I decided. I oh wait a minute! Oh wait a minute! I'm stop. I hate to stop you, but only protein shakes. Not even protein shakes. <laughs> no, I, no. I was so clean that I didn't even eat protein at the yeah. time. Like, pure food, like it was wild. Yeah, I got into protein a little bit after just to make it even a little bit easier on the nutrition side. But yeah, all food like chicken and vegetables and salmon and everything organic. I, I was I was a maniac with this. I was a maniac with personal development. I would meditate. Like anything that would give me the edge, I would do. That was healthy and legal. Like that was the key. Mm -hmm. Um, so I said to myself, I want to find a way not to go to class. I want to find a way to transform people's lives. And I want to get to know my business school professors because I was at a, a top business school. And I thought that would be cool if I got to know them outside the classroom because a lot of them were really successful entrepreneurs prior to being professors. So I'm like, I'm going to launch a personal training company and I'm going to get every one of them to hire me. And it worked because uh, I could sell. So every single business school professor hired me. I built this little posse of trainers and I would train them in a gym that was off campus that allowed me to do this. And it became a successful business because it paid my whole way through college. Um, but cooler than that was just like the relationships I established. Like some of these men and women were like iconic entrepreneurs in their lives that, and then decided just to go and teach. So to answer your question, it was immediate. My next venture was not as immediate. Um, I well, graduated on that. I hate to keep cutting you off because I got to. I got to pick this out. You said you're good at sales. What makes you good at sales? For those that are listening, what makes you good at sales and able to do that like that? 
So I have a rule um, when I'm selling, which is if the other party is better with me than without me, it is my moral responsibility to get them to say yes. So I don't stop. I, I'm ferocious. Like if I know they're better with me, I'm like, there's no chance you're saying no. Like that's, that's not even an option. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with you trying to say no. I will never take it personally, but I will eventually help you say yes because it's in service of you. So I realized that I could do this when I was right before I graduated college. Um, I went and did door-to-door sales in Manhattan, Brooklyn. I was 20 years old. I was selling credit card processing to small business owners. I was like that typical door-to-door salesman, like suit and tie in the summer in New York City, like who dresses that way, walking in with a briefcase and like this port under my arm. And, and, I, and I was selling and it was, it was one of those jobs where like you just, you ate what you killed. Like if, if you didn't get any sales, you, you made no money. Um, and we were told the only way to succeed was to see 100 businesses a day. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty intense. Like it's, it's like 97 degrees in New York City in the summer. I'm gonna go see 100 businesses every day. And I listened. And the first day I saw 110, so I pushed myself and I got zero sales. And then the next day I pushed myself even harder, 127 businesses, zero sales. And that happened every day, Monday through Friday, zero sales, zero sales. I saw like almost 800 businesses in that first week. And I was thinking to myself, I just don't, I don't have what it takes. Like, this is like, this is crazy. Like I, I literally, I just, I can't sell. And that was my belief. I was like, I can't do this. And then I showed up on Monday and I said, I have to find a way to do this, but I have to find a way to do this for me. Cause I knew I could sell. I built this like high six figure personal training business in college. Like it paid my way through college. So I knew I could sell, but like cold sales was like really hard. Like where you weren't like able to build rapport first, like you were kind of in and out. I'm like, but what if I was able to build a rapport? Like what if I went in instead of seeing a hundred businesses a day, I would see 10. Cause the reason I got every, every single business school uh, professor to say yes, is because like I went in and spent like 30 to 45 minutes with them talking about their goals and their aspirations and how they would feel when they could take their shirt off and be proud of themselves. Like I got to know them but when you're seeing a hundred plus businesses a day, it's like, you're just like dealing and dealing. Like, and yeah. It's like lucky if you get a deal. So I told the, the manager of this office, um, what do you care more about? Me getting a sale or me seeing 100 businesses? And they're like, I know where this is going. Others have tried. You're welcome to try, but it won't work. And I'm like, cool. So I went and saw 10 businesses that day. And I got four sales. And the next day I saw 10 businesses. I got seven sales. I became the number one salesperson in the country because I realized how critical it is. And this sounds so obvious, but most people just don't do it, to genuinely care about the goals and aspirations of the other person. And if what you're selling gets them there faster, it's your moral responsibility to get them to say yes. That's how I figured it out. Right. Got it. And then so going into the entrepreneurial journey onto uh, your next next, uh, venture and it wasn't as fast, what was that? So it was... It was a company that I launched with a, uh, a fellow graduate from my business school who I actually didn't know in college. He graduated two years earlier. Uh, we started a, a reverse mortgage company um, in downtown Chicago. We had this tiny little closet for an office, the two of us. We had a little bit of funding um, from these partners from McKinsey Consulting, which is the top consulting firm in the world. Um, and we, he knew a little bit about reverse mortgages. I knew nothing about reverse mortgages. But he was an engineer that was going to build this marketing platform that was going to generate a limitless flow of leads um, of people that wanted reverse mortgages. And this was like the best time to do it. Like mm-hmm. baby boomers were of age. They were yep. house rich and cash poor. They weren't able to get home equity lines because they were a little bit too old. So they, were, they could live off the equity in their house. But the timing was perfect. The product was perfect. But it took us, like, it took us some time to like figure out how to get 
like people over the age of 62 to like do something online. Like that was, that was yep. rare. Right. So I we had to like that, find yeah. some way to market to their kids. So like their kids would do it for them. And then the kids wanted to work with us because we were the only provider that could do it online that would expedite the process. So it took us a while to figure out like the product fit, like how do we communicate with a child who may not even know their parent needs this? Like, but we, we actually figured it out. We scaled the company. I sold out really early just because I wasn't very passionate about it. It was more of like a fun journey to like take an idea in a closet, make it a company. Yeah. Um, so I cashed out early and made some good cash. Uh, the company went on and sold for a lot more. So that was a proud moment just to lay the foundation. Literally there were two of us in the room. Um, but the challenge was like not giving up because what we were deploying from a go-to-market strategy just wasn't working. Like we initially were like trying to market to older people and could get no one to actually fill out the form ever, like ever. And then we're like, we have to find some way of educating the child of the older person to realize that their parent might actually need this, but they're not coming to them with the problem. And we, we figured it out. It was an, literally amazing direct response marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I went through all that too. We never did focus on just reverse mortgages, but we went through some of it. And uh, dude, so were you guys lending the money yourself or did you have, you had a connection you were broken? We eventually did. Yeah. yeah. So we eventually went and the whole process, but like yeah. what my role was, can we find a way to generate leads and convert them? And then we would pass them to the actual lenders and we, we killed it. Like it was yeah. unbelievable. Once we dialed in the right messaging, we were generating such a steady flow of leads, but I just wasn't, it wasn't fun for me. So like, yeah. that's why I sold. They eventually became the lender too, but I literally sold out right before the whole subprime mess. It was almost like I had a crystal ball. This was going to happen, yeah. um, but I did. And when they sold the company, it wasn't because they became a lender. It was because the marketing machine was so powerful at generating leads. That was why they, they were able to sell it. Like what yeah. we actually built was the value of the company. And then how did you get into what you're doing now? I know the story, but I'd love for you to share with the audience because the story of uh, the lessons you've learned and all that with that, that huge uh, setback that you had. So here, one of the things that, you and I, are, we have a lot of similarities, but one of them is our desire to support the underdogs, right? To create an even playing field for people. So I'm a non-tech tech founder. What that means is I am not an engineer. I just have a lot of tech ideas. Um, my skill is I can, I can sell and I can write marketing copy. So nine years ago, I launched a company uh, called Synduit. And the vision for Synduit was to be a SaaS product. SaaS is software as a service. Um, but specifically what we were going to do was become the simplest marketing software in the world that had content pre-populated for every industry to create an even playing field. So John or Jane Doe, small business owner, who's not a marketer, who doesn't know how to produce content, could sign up for a software and press one button to automate an entire campaign that would take them hundreds of hours. The problem was I'm non-technical. Like, I don't know how to build those things. So I decided to start the process by selling myself as a copywriter. I got two really high profile clients to give me a shot. I did a performance deal with them um, and they were excited because I was willing to do work for free. And if I perform, great. And if not, great. And I killed it. Like I made them millions of dollars. I made myself a few million dollars. Like I, I, I surprised myself even with the results. So they started telling everybody about me. They're like this guy is the best direct response marketing copywriter ever. And we were inundated. And within 14 months, I built an entire agency. Uh, we had 400 clients that were paying us about 10 grand a month each. We were very, very cash flow positive. But for me, that was a means to an end. Like I didn't want to run an agency. I wanted to build this tech product. I had more clarity now and I had a lot more resources to do it. So I went out and started interviewing different software development firms. I found one in, um, 
in Boston that had a really good track record. Uh, they had about a thousand people on their team. Their typical clients were not people like me. It was like Coca-Cola and, and Nabisco that like had tech needs. They would be their outsourced development team. But they loved me, they loved the idea, and they said, well, build it, let's do it. It'll take 10 months and $750,000 to build the minimum viable product. So I said, let's do it. I personally funded it because there was no way for me to raise capital as a, even though I had a track record as a non-tech tech founder, like no one was giving someone like me money. So then outsource development, like that's just too risky. So I had no choice but to self-fund it. I wrote a check for $75,000 a month. Um, at the end of 10 months, they turned the product over to me, which I personally micromanaged. I was like deeply in the trenches of building this. Um, and the product was half of what we agreed on. And the final invoice, which should have been $75,000, um, it was $1.5 million. And I actually thought it was a joke, Mike. It was like, it was such an extreme number. I'm like, oh, that, that's a funny haha. So I called up the founder who I became very close with because we were their coolest client. Like mm -hmm. this like scrappy startup that like is gonna change the, the direct response marketing industry forever. And I'm like, is this just like a funny haha, or, or, or what is this? And he's like, I'm very sorry. I just found out myself. This was the worst managed project we've ever had. It just is what it is. And I'm that, like, but oh. you micromanaging it, did it cause a problem? Do you think that they weren't used yeah, to it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So the combination, like there was Big no transparency at all, yeah. which if, I, if there was, I would have had not been a surprise. I didn't realize that I was kind of the one like derailing things at points. And, and this is like, I have this like thesis, like software development firms should never take on someone like me because it's a lose-lose. Like there's a finite amount of money and there's a infinite amount of innovation. Like it just doesn't yeah. work. Like, yeah. like yeah. Pepsi has like a statement of work. Like this is what we need. And if you're over budget by a few hundred thousand dollars, I'm not going to even know it. Like, like that's not me. Like I'm this ridiculous innovative dude that, like only has so much capital I can put into this because I'm self-funding right. it. So it was a lose-lose. We negotiated. We left on positive terms. Like I paid more, they accepted less. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. But there's always silver lining, right? Like, like most would be like, "Oh my gosh, the door closes, it's over." For me, the door was like wide open. Whoa, 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 but how did you feel though? Like, how did you feel at that moment? Like, can you tell me like what went through your mind and and did you get that feeling in your chest? Like, I yeah. talk about this a lot. We all experience it a little differently, but yeah, no one's ever asked me that. So initially, because I'm thinking like reliving it now. Initially, I felt very taken advantage of because to find out on like the last day, it's like. Why didn't you tell me sooner? Like if I, I would have been surprised, I could have planned for it. We could have planned for it. Like, so I felt like really taken advantage of. And I remember thinking to myself, I feel like that widow who has somebody come out to their home to clean their fireplace. And the person comes out and they're a widow and they live a life and they're by themselves and they have a finite amount of money. And the person that cleans their fireplace says, man, if, if we don't replace your fireplace, like there's a chance you could die in your sleep. And I only was going to pay $300 for the fireplace to be clean. But they then said, so if you don't want to die in your sleep, it's going to cost you $25,000. But the good news is we can have it done tomorrow and you can sleep well. And they paid the $25,000. I felt like that, well, that widow that was just like completely taken advantage because I just didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, I have a choice to make, right? Like I can live in my doom and gloom and I can be just another one of those like non-tech tech founders that like dies in the Bermuda Triangle called software. Or 
I can like live and tell the story and build what I know the world needs. So I started looking for the silver lining. I was like literally looking for it. Like, there has to be a reason. Like the universe never gives you more than you can handle. Like what's the reason? So the first reason, because there's a few reasons that I was able to take away from this was someone named Mani. Mani was just one of our engineers that was, that was on the project, but that's not who Mani just was. Before working with me, uh, Mani lived in India. And when he lived in India, he built his own software development firm, like a true entrepreneur, about 100 people on his team. And he was a legend in India. Like he did a ton of work in the open source technology space. He mentored at universities. It was a living legend in India, what he did for tech. And in 2011, Mani sold his company in India because he wanted to move to the U.S. with his wife to establish themselves and start a family. And when he moved to the U.S., Mike, he was living at the end of my street where my office used to be. So he could be anywhere in any of the 50 states, right? And he was literally a one minute walk to my office, which is the reason this company I hired, hired him to walk into my office to work with me. And he was like my kindred spirit because like we just were so compatible with how we, I thought of innovation that we could build. So in 2014, I said, Monty, be my CTO and let's do this thing right. And he said, yes. And we started building our own team. We hired in the US, we hired in Canada, and we hired 12 people in India that he previously worked with. And one of the things in software development is if you can crack the code on India, you are set because there's no country with better talent that's more committed and at a better price point. But it's very hard to crack the code. And he knew how because he lived there his entire life. So we had these 12 people in India that became like my India family. And I really cared about them. And one of the challenges when you're a U.S. firm hiring into India is you can only hire contractors, which is really suboptimal for the team. Because when you're a contractor in India, your income is not recognized um, by banks. So it's almost impossible to get a loan like for anything, like houses, cars, et cetera. And I knew that eventually they'd want a loan and I care about them. So I said, let's, let's figure this out. And the only way to solve it was to set up a company in India that, that I would own, which is almost impossible to do. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, where, where would you start? I guess Mani would lead I mean, it. That was the problem. So Mani knew, but he didn't know how to do it from like US to India. So yeah. we hired, I think in the end, seven law firms. It cost us about $300,000 because no one knew how to go the distance. Like they knew how to get to a certain point and then like pass the baton that you're kind of like starting over. It took us yeah. two and a half years, Mike. It was a really arduous process. The team stuck around though. They knew I'd get there. We got there. We hired them. We then scaled the team. That directly correlated to scaling Synduit. And today we have over 40,000 active small business owners that, that use the software across 30 industries. So it's been an amazing road. Like they all pay for the platform. It's a great business, but the magic, and that's why we united, is what happened in 2020. Um, I woke up one day in 2020 and I realized I'm personally officially obsolete at Synduit, which for all of you entrepreneurs out there, that's the goal. Like that's the target. Like, yeah, but it doesn't feel good. Like, and for me, I was really excited when I woke up that day and realized it. I have a number of people that have been with me for years. I trust them. I love them. And I call them up and I'm like, I'm going to do something crazy today. And like, they're like, what? I'm like, I'm going to give you meaningful equity in the company, not for money, but I want you to have the equity so you can start making every single decision. I'm here. If you ever need it, I am here, but you don't need me. Make the decisions and then come for me if you're really stuck. Yep. So they did. And they've been able to continue to grow and scale Synduit. And for the first time in over a decade, I had complete time freedom, like complete, like I had so much bandwidth, I didn't even know what to do with it. So I'm like, what am I called to do? Like, what's the next thing where I can make the most significant impact? And what hit me the same way that freedom hit me when I was 20 
What hit me was my desire to do what I did with Sinduit, but 10,000 times by 2031. I don't know why it was 10,000. A thousand would have been- It doesn't been, matter. It doesn't matter. hundred been really easy. Number. It was 10,000. So I'm like, I'm not going to negotiate with this calling. So I, I called up Mani, um, who's still my CTO at Sinduit. And I said, Mani, I have a feeling that you're obsolete too. I don't know why. I just have this feeling. Um, and I want to launch something with you. And he's like, I'm in. What do you want to do? I said, I want to launch 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. Are you in? And he goes, I'm in because it's you. But I have to be honest with you. I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm like, all right, let, let me explain. I said, we're going to launch a tech incubator. But this isn't going to be like every other tech incubator in the world where every other tech incubator writes you a small check and they give you a lot of mentorship, which is awesome. That's just not what this is. This is a place for people to come with their ideas and they're able to present their ideas. And if we believe that the person is right and that their values are aligned with ours and we believe that their idea is right, so it solves a big enough problem in the world and it's technologically viable. And we believe that there's not that much competition. So there's more blue ocean than red ocean. And we believe there's a clear path to go to market and then scale. We will partner with that entrepreneur. We will launch a new company together. They'll have equity, we'll have equity, and we will build the entire company at cost. And that's not it, just it, it, in layman's terms. It's, it's, uh, it's layman's terms, like a shark tank for tech companies. The Shark Tank of ideas, ideas on napkins. Like, ideas. It's like yeah. imagine if yeah. Shark Tank said, "Bring your napkin," and yep. if it's a really good idea, we're going to help you launch the company. That's what it is. Like it's like bring a napkin. It's better if there's no ketchup on it, but like just bring a napkin with an idea and present it. And that's now that's that napkin. That napkin. This is by the way, the napkin went out, make you made you out of blur, uh, out of focus. By the way, so oh, I'm sorry. like on the on the video, no. So I don't know how to fix that, but. This is hey, this is my show, and we it, it, things happen. It's not a big deal. So I just cool. Um, you're still <laughs> blurry, you're still blurry though. I don't know if that works. There it is. There it is. It's back. It's back. So yeah. for those watching, for those watching, what he was saying was more important. So um. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I never. I know it's so funny. I show the napkin a lot, and people are like, "Where'd he go?" Um, yeah. No, 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 yeah no. So so what we did was um, we launched Seedle Labs. So what makes this so special is when we build companies at cost. It's not just the software development. I mean, that's like a piece of it. It's go to market, it's scale, it's customer support, it's sales, it's fundraising, it's admin. We are co-founders in these companies. So we opened the portfolio up um, in June of 2020. We had between June and, and now we've had almost 400 pitches, um, which a lot of pitches. We've said yes to 35 deals. We have 35 co-founders. We have another 10 companies on top of that that are like SELA companies, like vertically integrated into our model to support all of our portfolio companies. Um, we've also launched an angel investor network to support with early stage financing. And we also launched um, our own version of Indiegogo. It's called Booyah Fund. It's a crowdfunding platform. So we can really test ideas before we go to market. Mike, it's the most rewarding thing I've done in my life because we're able to, you're one of them, um, partner with really awesome people that have extraordinary ideas and their ideas would most likely never see the light of day if we didn't collide. Because like tech isn't like the kind of thing like you just wake up and do. Like you, you need the right people or there's like no chance of pulling this off. Yeah. And yeah. we just happen to have the whole team that is the right team to support people with the right ideas. So. so so that leads us into how we met. So guys, just so you know, I'm an animal when it comes to reaching out to people, networking through every platform that I have, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten a DM from me, just wait, you'll get one because I'm, I'm, I have a target every single day of how many people we reach out to 
to connect with people. And if people don't know me, that's my fault. I need to make sure that people know me, whether it's a direct message, they run into an ad, they run into some kind of content. And that's why I spend so much time pushing energy out, outflow. And I was, we, were, we were kind of joking on ahead of time before the show about you know, Noah's Ark, the story in the Bible about Noah's Ark. And Noah wasn't sure exactly why he was told to build this ark, but he had this, whether you're, you believe in God or not, he had God telling him or his intuition telling him, build this ark, go get these animals, one of each, you know, keep building it and build it this big. And, and it was like a hundred years and he had no idea exactly why he just knew he was supposed to. And people were laughing at him and, and discouraging him and making, you know, just jokes. And he just kept doing it and he stayed committed to it. And he wasn't sure exactly why. And then all of a sudden it started raining in a place that hardly ever rained and it rained and they had a flood and he survived with all these animals. So that story reminds me of some of the things that we all go through where we have this thing that we're supposed to be doing. We just feel like, man, I'm supposed to be doing this and we can make up our purposes to align with it because that's what we generally do. Our subconscious mind tells us something to justify what we're doing. Right. And sometimes that can be good and bad, but then the true purpose arrives at some point if you keep going. And that's what happened here. So Jared and I met through a direct message that could turn into billions of dollars just through a direct message on Instagram. So I want to encourage you to reach out, connect with as many people as possible, set a target for yourself. But so then we did an Instagram live, right? Yeah. So here's what's interesting. You, you epitomize what I stand for and what I stand against. I'm going to tell you why. So what I stand for are people that recognize the importance of community and relationships and also find a way to create a financial model that makes that community and relationships work. Because I love when people have this vision for just impact and transformation. Like I am, trust me, I am all for that, okay? But I also know that at the, at what eventually will happen is that you'll just peter out because it's impossible just to do that forever. Like there has to be some economic model that allows for that to make sense for both the community and also for the head of the community. So I stand for it. But I also, what I stand against are what I call graveyard ideas. People that have like ideas inside and either they can't completely communicate it or they just don't know where to go and they just die with their ideas. I just stand against it. My goal is I want to catch every single idea before they die with the beholder of that idea. So you're both, like you built this community. You obviously understand the importance of creating some financial model that allows the community to like grow and expand and serve at a deeper level. And you also are like an idea faucet. And a lot of those ideas are going to die with you. And now they won't because I won't let them. <laughs> yeah, we're going yeah. to launch this along with many <laughs> other things as well. I love what we're building together. I don't know if you want to get into it or not. But yeah, why should, not? Why yeah. not, man? Because I can release this whenever. And guys, this is- Look, I want to acknowledge you though. Because like what you yeah. built is why we're building this. Okay? Like people yeah. building people, right? That's a very real thing. That's something that speaks to you. That was like what you were called to do. It may have made no sense, yet you found a way to do it. You built this like tribe of people to understand that they can build other people. As we were talking about that, I kept thinking to myself, I wonder what's inefficient about this whole model of people building people. And what hit me as we were going back and forth was, well, I think that like somebody that's achieved something that wants to teach somebody else how they did it, if they're really going to want to help that person learn this new skill or have this certain achievement, they need to give the exact steps, not like just record a short video. Hey, watch this video. and like, it inspires you. Like, what are the exact steps? What is the blueprint? Like, what is the blueprint? Because if you give me the blueprint, I can do what you just did. But without the blueprint, I don't really, I'm not exactly sure where to start, right? Like, that's like a very common right. challenge. And also somebody speaking from stage saying it, it goes in one ear and out the other. They hear it for a little bit. They forget it real quick. 
a video you watch this the same thing so go ahead cool so we are deep in the development of a incredible disruption within the space of i'm going to call it transformation but it's really not that it's 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 meaningful growth it's like real growth like tangible objective growth it's called blueprinted blueprinted is the first ever and i mean this you hear that all the time this is the first ever crowd sourced project management platform goal management platform what it looks like are people that have achieved anything from losing weight to flipping homes to raising capital to launching a tech company to building an instagram following to anything like anything will have the ability to really think through and reverse engineer what they did the exact steps they took and they build it into blueprinted and now somebody that wants to flip the house build the instagram following launch a tech company launch a franchise, whatever it is they want to do, they can purchase that blueprint and they can choose their delivery mechanism, whether they want it as a task-based project management delivery mechanism, if they want to print out a PDF of all the steps and mark the things off as they do it, if they want daily text messages, if they want emails, if they want to integrate it into their calendar, there's all different mediums be able to actually go from A to B or A to Z or A to wherever you want to go following a path that somebody else has already done so that you know it works. And to me, yep. this is what creates predictable and replicatable success, both personally and professionally. And, and that's a disruption. And, and, and the other thing is, is that how many of you listening have wanted to do something, but don't know what the first step is, don't know how to prepare, don't know how to plan, what the next step would be, what all the steps would look like. You know, I always look at it like this. If you had an ax and you're trying to chop down a tree, this big giant redwood tree, and it's huge. And you had this ax and you just like, man, I'm supposed to chop this tree down with this ax. That's all I have. And if, but if you knew exactly a technique that you could use and the steps and how many hacks that you had to take at this tree and the exact direction that you had to hit the tree in, then knowing that ahead of time, you're more determined to accomplish that, knocking down, like chopping that tree down. That's very uh, simplified, but but no, but that's, that's exactly what it is, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So if, if there was a project management task-driven platform that said, okay, when the first time that you whack that tree, hit it on this angle, and then the next task was, okay, now that you did that, go around the tree, hit it on this angle. And then it, it, it like literally told you exactly where to hit the tree. You would chop down that tree much faster, right? Yeah, because, yeah, because some of us entrepreneurs, like we want to accomplish something. And so we work tirelessly. Like we work days sometimes, might be, I don't know, sometimes 20 hours a day, it seems like sometimes. It's because we want to accomplish it so bad and we just don't know how long it's going to take. So we think we are short on time and we want to do this. But if you had it all laid out where you knew that if you spent two hours or three hours or maybe eight hours, whatever it is per day of doing these steps and then the rest of the day, you're like, no, nope, I'm good. I'm good for today because this is the blueprint. I'm following this blueprint. Now I can enjoy the free time with my family. I can do some time for myself other things. This is another thing I just thought about this. It frees up your mind, uh, you know, for the rest of your life. You talked about freedom. Like this gives people freedom. That's what it is. So here's another thing. I, had, I remember when we first started digging into this idea. I had this visual and, and many people have seen this, like, this, like the, the, the path of entrepreneurship is like this, right? Like you've seen like that visual, but that's not just entrepreneurship. That's weight loss. That's like intimate relationships. That's parenting, that's moving, that's flipping a house. Like everything is like this because there's no blueprint. So I believe in linear process. We're going to launch 10,000 tech companies in 10 years, right? How? It's a linear process. Like it's an assembly line of steps to take to go from idea to exit. Well, that's everything. Everything. Like, like launching a tech company is no different than losing 30 pounds. 
Yeah. Like losing 30 pounds is no different than flipping a house. Like flipping a house is no different than building an Instagram following. There's specific steps you take, but most people it's, it's like this because they don't have a blueprint. So we now yeah. have people that have gotten to where somebody else wants to get to. They have the ability to load the exact steps into blueprint, create a new financial model for themselves. And people just follow the linear path so they yeah. get that outcome as well. There's, there's never going to be a reason again, ever, ever to try to learn something on your own. Think about that. That's why this is so disruptive. This is this episode of What Are You Made Of, guys? You're listening to this. This is the most valuable episode you'll ever listen to and the one most valuable one I've ever done. Because now, the, you know, the only reason somebody would have to try something on their own is if it's never been done before. And then they're trying that and then they're going to put their blueprint in. But everything's been done before. This is one of the things. Like there's everything has been done before at this point. Like well, I remember when I was, I was 22 years old, uh, 23 years old, I was living literally right outside New York City on, on the New Jersey side. And I would run over the George Washington Bridge every day. Like that was like my, my part of my morning workout. And I remember like I'd run over the bridge and it was always like dark and the sun would come back on the way back. And I'm like, a man or a woman made this bridge. Yeah, like this yeah. bridge that connects to like New Jersey and New York. And there's millions of cars that go over this bridge. And I started like thinking about like, this is a bridge that like connects like two like pieces of land. And like, oh my goodness, people go to space. Like, there's pretty much nothing that hasn't been done. At this but I'm going to challenge you. Hold up. I'm going to challenge you, man. I'm going to challenge you because look, when I was a kid, they didn't have the internet and that's not that long ago. So I know we've had a big advances in this, this, what, last 20, 30, 40 years, but, but shit, man, there's, there's stuff still out there. Well, innovation for sure. But I mean like yeah. everyday goals. Cause like, okay. The, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. like it's people helping people, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's like every, like, like everybody that's listening to this, like there's something that you want to achieve and you just know that you don't know the exact steps to get there. If I had to guess, let's say 99.999% of you, someone else has done it before. Like there might be one person who's like, I want to do something that's never been done and you're going to figure it out and then teach everybody else how to do it. But for everyday goals, which is what Blueprint stands to do, right? To help the everyday person, people helping people go from A to B and then from B to C and then all of a sudden they get to Z and they accomplish something that if with Blueprint didn't exist, they may not even start. Yeah. The minute yeah. it starts, they don't know where to begin. The vision. So I agree with you. I mean, innovation's happening. Like we're building yeah. right now, like an artificial intelligence software solution to detect when somebody is about to have a stroke. There is no blueprint for that. Okay, that that I know, right? So we, I'm, I'm all for innovation, but it's yeah. more about those goals, like those yeah, things yeah. that you're like, how did Mike build this community? Like, how did he launch this yeah. podcast? Grand vision, very clear, vivid grand vision, the goals it takes to get there, the long-term and then targets that you need to hit every single day. That's what's going to break down. And I love it. And, and there's going to be communities built through Blueprinted. There's going to be opportunity for people to be able to communicate with their audience and, and their following. And, and there's so much we can do with this, but I'm just so excited about this just to get this out and live it every single day, man. And that's- Listen, I, I we're taking founding members right now for you to load your own Blueprint, right? Like yeah. I'm sure there's like some show notes, like include yep. all the information. Like founding yep. members, like- Realize like blueprinted will have eventually hundreds of thousands of blueprints, like hundreds of thousands, millions of blueprints, right? But tens of millions of people across all different countries that are using all different ages that are using blueprints to go from A to B and B to C, et cetera. We're doing a founding member opportunity, right? 500 people. So that the day blueprint officially goes live, which is pretty darn close at this point, your blueprint is one of the first of 500. Like 
I don't know about you, but that's that's pretty darn cool, right? Yeah, like yeah. like Clubhouse is like this big thing now, right? Like imagine if you were one of the first 500 people on Clubhouse or like one of the first 500 Uber drivers or one of the first 500 people on Facebook, one of the first 500 people on Instagram, like or like all of those like things that we now look at and we're like, oh my gosh, like, well, that's what Blueprint is. Yeah, like, like yeah. and it's 500 people. So I don't know how you show notes, but include the link mm-hmm. there. Go. We'll, 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 get, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely get it in there. And make sure you guys, if you have any questions on this or you want to be a part of it, just reach out to me, man. We, we'll get you involved early on founding blueprinters. We, we'll have some shirts made and everything, plaques. It's going to be cool, man. We're going we're gonna to have a good time with this. And we can even do events around this, Jerry. I mean, like we could have a blueprinted convention at some point. You know? We will. And, we and, uh, the beauty of it is so like, and it's the most tactical, practical event in history, right? Like yeah. tactical, practical. Like, and the event will be cool. Like inspire from stage, go get my blueprint. Like, yep. so like now you have exactly, I mean, I talk about this all day, but it's that exciting. And I'm yep. honored to partner with you. I know it's the first of many things, but this is a real impactful solution. Well, look, so guys, uh, thank you so much for listening today. And Jared, thanks for being here. I want to end two, two things. One, how can my audience engage with you further or get in touch with you with any ideas? Yeah, two ways. So one is check out jaredyellen.com. Like I'm yelling at you just with no G. So J-A-R-E-D-Y-E-L-L-I-N.com. I write a ton of content. I'm a dad first and a husband and a parallel entrepreneur. So I write about a lot of that kind of stuff. So check it out. If you have an idea, like there's something that's just like, it's like, ah, oh, like I just, it has to exist, right? We have to create this thing. Um, it's like a budding idea, like keeps you up at night. Head over to SilaPartner.com, C-I-L-A, and then Partner, P-A-R-T-N-E-R.com. There's a form there. Fill out the form. You'll go through our process, the really cool process. Like you, You'll love the process. And, and maybe, just maybe, like your idea is one that we're going to say yes to and that we can co-found a company together and make a meaningful impact in the world. Mike, man, you rock, bro. I'm proud of what you're up to. I'm proud of part of what you're up to. I know it's just the beginning and uh, I can't wait to see what it evolves. I love it. I love it. And we always end the show by this now. I want to know, you know, the rocket fuel concepts to turn setbacks, anything that slows you down or stops you into rocket fuel for your future. What does that rocket fuel concept mean to you and your life? I started a company in November of 2020 um, and I, November of 2019, and I sold my equity six months later. Um, really premature. And I made millions of dollars for this company. I just didn't cash out for anything. But the reason I did it, because what Rocket Fuel means to me is that when I kiss my kids at night and I say goodnight, that they're proud of me. That's what Rocket Fuel is to me. Love it, man. I love it. Thank you very much for being here, Jared. Looking forward to the growth and not just uh, not just in business, but in impact and relationship that we have, man. And uh, I'm so thankful that I got to meet you, bro. So, awesome, man. Appreciate um, you. Thanks, man. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Let's, uh, let's go show Jared some love. Hit him up on Instagram, social media. Just uh, let him know that you heard him here. And until next time, guys, I want to recommend that you become unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.